Welcome to Into Security, InfoSecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and exclusive interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this November edition of the Into Security podcast. I'm your host, Beth Mondrell, editor here at InfoSecurity Magazine. And today I'm joined again by our deputy editor, James Coker, and our news reporter, Kevin Poirot. So hi, guys. Thanks for joining me this week. Hi, Beth. Hey, Beth. Thanks for having us again. No worries. And it's definitely an interesting topic that we'll be looking into as we come to the busiest retail time of the year with Christmas season rapidly approaching and obviously the infamous Black Friday and Cyber Monday's shopping days upon us. Before we start today's podcast, a quick note from our sponsor, CoFence. CoFence is the leading provider of intelligent email security with a simple objective, to protect organizations from cyber attacks. We'll hear more from them later in the So Black Friday, Cyber Monday, they're upon us. Consumers during this time are often littered with deals and offers, which can be great. But sadly, as previous years has shown, this provides a huge opportunity for cyber criminals and fraudsters to strike, um, such as posing as well-known brands with fake offers to trick people out of their money or giving them credentials that you would otherwise not share. So the problem has been made worse in recent years as we've seen a dramatic shift to online shopping, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. With that, we thought this month's podcast would be the perfect time to discuss the cyber threat and scam trends we are seeing in the world of e-commerce and what needs to be done to combat the risk. And with that, later in the podcast, we've got a couple of excellent interviews conducted by James. One will be with Gillian Rucker, who is the CISA's Deputy Mission Coordinator for Threat Hunting, and also with Neera Jones, who is an independent advisor with a huge expertise and experience in payment and financial services. So we'll be hearing from those guys later. But before that, let's take a look at some of the recent news stories we've been covering relating to the cyber threats to online shopping. So perhaps, Kevin, um, let's start with you. What have you picked up on recently? Yeah, the, the one that, that caught my attention uh, around this Black Friday period is uh, the data shared by the UK's National Cybersecurity Centre, NCSC, that shows that last year at the same period, so precisely between November 2021 and January 2022, shoppers in the UK only lost £15.3 million to online scammers. That's uh, quite a staggering number. If we get into the details, there were 20,000 incidents that were reported over the busy shopping period last winter, and around half of them involved a social media site. The data also showed that young shoppers were more likely to fall victim. That was very interesting uh, for me to, to see that social media has become maybe one of the 
biggest places to 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 shop online in general and especially during uh during black friday and cyber monday the products targeted however were not really surprising as uh 20 of these frauds were related to the purchase of electronics 13 percent to mobile phones and eight percent to vehicles so i guess we have uh we have one of the ones of the usual suspects here it's important to note and the ncsc added that since the figures come exclusively from cases reported to Action Fraud, the UK's National Reporting Centre for Fraud and Cybercrime, they are likely to be underrepresented and the true scale of fraud losses over the period was probably greater than this in the UK only. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting. This is just obviously a snapshot of what happens in the UK. Also, you've got to take what they know with a pinch of salt because not everything's going to be reported. Interesting that social media is highly leveraged and I think it will be those kind of messages where it's like this is an amazing deal, click here. Because big brands do use social media to do their marketing but there are less controls over who can do those kind of activities, we can see that nefarious actors do use the same tools to target people, don't you think Kevin? Yeah, certainly. It's become the place to be for finding the best deals, finding maybe sometimes also actually buying them directly from the platforms. Of course, it's uh, it's getting uh, more and more attention from the brands, from the sellers, but also from uh, cyber criminals as well. Interesting that I guess it's young shoppers were more likely to fall victim. I guess that's because they're the people using the social media sites in a higher percentage. But also, I think there's that speed to everything and if you're doing stuff quickly for example if you're making purchases quickly and also there's a incentive to do so quickly so like buy this within the next hour to get this amazing deal that's how you can be tricked because you're not looking into things properly you're not examining where the link is taking you to those kind of things so similar to what we see with like phishing attempts and stuff like that via email it's the same kind of tactics the urgency the making you feel like it has to be done now and that's probably where a lot of people are falling victim but that's a really interesting one to highlight there Kevin and I definitely think it's probably being replicated on a global scale. This is just the snapshot from the UK. Pivoting over to you, James, what have you picked up? I know it's something that was written on the InfoSecurity magazine website in October, but still super relevant now. Yeah, definitely very relevant. This was some uh, research by the, the company Akamai that showed the a big majority of, of consumers, uh, so 59%, said they would stop shopping at a retailer if they suffered a, a serious data breach. In the same proportion, so 59% again, um, said that they would even tell their friends to shop, stop shopping with a particular company if, if they have been sort of found to be a victim of, of a cyber attack. Um, so it, it really shows how much of an issue cybersecurity is for, for retailers as, uh, as online shopping grows. Almost half of the respondents in the research, 49%, also said that they don't trust retailers in general to keep their data safe, which is quite a worrying statistic. I think this is really important research, um, especially given the current economic outlook that we are facing, which looks a bit grim to say the least, where perhaps retailers may be tempted to cut costs uh, in areas like cybersecurity. Um, But this study really shows that this shouldn't 
be an area that that is cut by by retailers because uh, they're more likely to to suffer financially if if they do have a weak cybersecurity posture and and suffer an attack. Um, they're, they're much more likely to lose custom that way. So it's really important that they continue investing in that area. Uh, and it's part of a, a deeper trend, I think, as well that we're seeing over the over the last few years of consumers becoming increasingly aware of of cybersecurity and data protection issues, and even making commercial decisions based on how they perceive a, a particular company's um, security and whether they trust them or not with with their data. As I said, it's, it's essential for for retailers to to really ensure that their cyber security as strong as it possibly can be and also to be able to communicate that to the to their consumers and reassure them that yes you're you're safe to shop with us you're safe to set up online accounts and shop via our website that area of reassuring customers and communicating cyber security posture was something that was discussed in our most recent online summit event which was in september uh, by dominique shelton leipzig uh, from mayor brown so check that out if, if you can as well Yeah, Dominique's presentation was really interesting. So I would encourage our listeners, if you are keen to hear what she said, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website and check out the past online summit and you can find everything on demand. But uh, kind of two things there. First of all, about the concerning the economic outlook. So I think there's starting to be a bit of or quite a lot of conversation really about cybersecurity budgets being scrutinised because we're going into this recession. Most people are agreeing it's going to be a recession on a global level. And that means businesses, whether it is retail or beyond, are going to be scrutinising every penny that they're going to be spending. So I'm actually working on a piece at the moment that will be published on the website in a couple of weeks time about what businesses should be looking out for when it comes to the budgets being scrutinised and what they should be continuing to invest in. So I think that's going to be a huge issue coming up. Another thing I wanted to pick up on there, James, as well, is what consumers think. They definitely are, I would say, more aware than ever that companies hold their data and what they then do with that data. Um, Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Um, certainly big tech and, and, and those sort of organisations, there's, there's definitely increasing awareness of the fact that they're holding data, potentially tracking through sort of targeted advertising and that kind of thing. So that's something that I think particularly young people are kind of increasingly aware of and, and even kind of not not signing up to certain websites if, if they perceive them to, to kind of be using their data for nefarious means. And and yeah, data breaches are, are something that's that's increasingly coming into the news. And so people, they might not be kind of aware of the, the technical aspects of cybersecurity so much, but they are very aware that their their data is, is vulnerable to being being taken by, by fraudsters and, and cyber criminals. Um, I think a lot of experts I've spoken to have also highlighted how regulations like GDPR have kind of increased awareness amongst the public about privacy and and data protection issues which is which is a good thing but yeah I think it places an extra emphasis on on companies to sort of ensure their posture is strong as possible in that area. Definitely it's good to see that these things are also being consumer led. Absolutely yeah. Now a quick note from our sponsor CoFence. We know that despite investments and technologies, there will always be gaps that evolving and inevitable phishing attacks slip through. 
Today's security teams need a wide view and understanding of the threat landscape to protect effectively. But having the resource to deliver this can be time consuming and expensive. CoFence leverages insights from over 32 million reporters combined with industry-leading AI technology, enabling them to deliver real-time detection, reporting, and auto-quarantining of cyber threats as they happen. CoFence's email security solutions empower your internal teams to focus their efforts on protecting your customers, your reputation, and your organization with access to game-changing intelligence and support when it's needed most. The adaptable integrations work alongside your existing security stack, as well as your executive level reporting, industry benchmarking, and comparative analysis, which allows you to easily articulate its effectiveness. Empower your teams, reduce your risk, and meet regulations with intelligent email security solutions. So next, let's hear from some of our interviews that I mentioned in the introduction. So James, you recently caught up with the CISA's Deputy Mission Coordinator for Threat Hunting, Gillian Rucker, to talk about phishing and online shopping scam threats. Um, how was that? What did you get out of the conversation? Yeah, it was, it was really interesting. Um, obviously, it was, it was great to get CISA's uh, take on, on this topic, some of the, the trends that, that they're observing at, at a government level, and of course, outlining really important advice and, and resources for consumers uh, to help them stay safe while shopping online, which uh, helps helps keep everyone safe at the end of the day. This is obviously a, a particular issue over the Black Friday weekend, which is massive in America, but obviously in other countries like the UK as well. Let's take a listen. Thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us about this important issue, Gillian. I just wanted to start by asking you, uh, what what are the main e-commerce, phishing and, and other scam trends that have been observed by CISA since the, the start of the COVID pandemic? And have you observed these kinds of attacks evolving further in the past year as well? So at CISA, we don't particularly pull out e-commerce phishing as a different type of phishing. But over the past year, um, two years since the COVID-19 pandemic, as more and more of our lives have kind of moved online, as we work from home more, as we shop more online, we have definitely seen phishing become more targeted and more complex, um, meaning that it definitely isn't as general anymore or as obvious anymore and can kind of blend in with emails that one would expect to see in their inbox. You guys obviously observe scam actors look to look to target Black Friday event typically. And have you observed any particular trends so far in the build up to, to this year's event? Yeah. So we look at Black Friday, right? It's a huge day with tons and tons of sales, with tons and tons of advertising. And with that, um, you know, I think we all expect to see an increase of emails um, from advertisers, from retailers in our inbox flagging us about that activity. And so just like we see general trends within phishing, we've seen kind of around Black Friday, that trend really just taking hold there with targeting, um, phishing and targeting being more complex, more tailored to what people actually click on, what emails we expect to see in our inbox. Um, I think uh, just an example about this, right? If you're someone that shops a lot 
at Home Depot, we could see, uh, you know, malicious gut actor. He's using um, a phishing technique in order to get information or gain access to someone's inbox. Kind of pretend to be Home Depot, you know, use a similar state of orange, say that they're Home Depot um, within their email. And so they kind of blend in, and that's just an example, with what one expect to see, because of course that makes it look like you know, something that you would expect to click on, like, oh, of course Home Depot is going to have a Black Friday sale. I wonder, you know, I wonder what they're advertising. You click on that link, and that then is how a threat actor would gain access to your inbox or to your information. Thank you, Julian. That's, that's very interesting uh, insights there. Based on that, those kind of trends that you're seeing, what is CISA's main advice to consumers to avoid these types of scams ahead of this year's Black Friday? And how can such awareness campaigns be most impactful? Yeah, so CISA has out publicly our Shop Safely guidance, which provides a lot of insight into things that both people and businesses can do in order to protect themselves um, from phishing scams and other scams, but particularly those phishings within the retail sector. And so in that, we kind of detail keeping your device up to date. If it's a possibility to automate updates going forward with that, if possible, and even multi-factor authentication. So just making it, you know, not just a password, both on your device itself and for your accounts with different companies where you're purchasing things. So some retailers have enabled where not only do you have a password, but it also asks for your phone number and will send you like the little code that you can put in. So that way, you know, you have the two-factor, right? You have something you know, which is your password, and something you have, which is your phone number. And so you put those two factors together and you give yourself that extra level of protection. We recommend not using public or unsecured Wi-Fi. So use your home network where there is a password or someone else, a network that you know to be secure. We also recommend being aware. So over the holiday season, we have more people shopping, especially on Black Friday, we're all shopping emails coming in with sales left and right. So actually, if you are going to click on a link or open an email, actually doing the due diligence to make sure that that matches up with what you expect to see. So look at that email header. Is it actually from the retailer you expect it to be from or from you know the company that you expect it to be from? Um, if you're clicking on a link, hover over that link. Does that link go to where you think it's going to go? Is, is it going to homedepot.com? <laughs> Um, I don't mean to call out Home Depot so much, but I'm making sure that, that all matches up. We also recommend that when you're shopping using websites and companies that you trust and looking to make sure that they're enabling SSL um, secure socket layers, which to us looks like the HTTPS um, with that little padlock icon that ensures that that website's using some sort of encryption to transmit your information. Really good advice there, Julian. Uh, what other types of initiatives does CISA take kind of perhaps throughout the year really to, along with partners, to, to tackle these types of threats? Yeah, absolutely. So it's just passed that October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, but here at CISA, Cybersecurity Awareness never ends, right? Just because Cybersecurity Awareness Month is over, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be taking these practices every single day throughout the year. So for individuals and families, we encourage just taking the actions that I mentioned previously, right? Enabling multi-factor authentication, updating your software, talking to friends and family, you know, especially parents, grandparents, about what those things mean and what clicking on that link means, you know, what a threat actor who's using phishing can do. So being clear about how these methods protect us rather than just, you know, 
being a pain or being a burden. For businesses and companies, CISA recommends, you know, really practicing good cyber hygiene, taking advantage of CISA um, public information on best practice, like our cyber essentials, training employees to identify phishing and other malicious cyber TTPs, and taking advantage of some of CISA's free services that we offer. Thank you very much, Gillian. And uh, yeah, really appreciate your, your time today. It was great, great hearing your insights and some great advice there for, for consumers ahead of this year's Black Friday. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, that was great and very interesting to hear from uh, CISA, of course, especially as a US-based organisation where kind of the, the birth of Black Friday came from. Um, Kevin, what did you think of that one? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting uh, how Gillian is turning around a narrative of all of us being just passive consumers, which can be the case sometimes, especially over this period, to us being more proactive, to um, doing our due diligence, as she says, a bit like company would do. That means not just checking if the sender of an email is the right person or that the link we are going to click on is the right one or that the url is is secure using https but it also means being aware of where we shop from avoiding public wi-fi hotspots for example or how we access our accounts uh, using multi-factor authorization, for example. For those who, who listened our previous podcast uh, that was um, in, in October about the, the Cyber Awareness Month, I think it will resonate with the change of, of the slogan for the European Cyber Awareness Month that went from being think before you click to choose to be safe online. I, I think I see the shift here. And uh, I think uh, ENISA, the, the European Security Agency, has seen it as, as well as uh, C the American agency, CISA, from telling everyone to uh, what they need to do, you need to think before you click, to having a more comprehensive approach to cybersecurity and actually being proactive in, in how we approach these things. And we think about where we are when we click a link, on what network we are, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this shift is is really interesting because it's um it's putting some level of uh, of of accountability taking the consumer not not saying to the consumer what they have to do but making them accountable yeah so it's all about kind of empowering the individuals to be the ones that are taking the right steps to ensure they are safe online and i think this is where organizations and businesses can weave this into their cybersecurity training and awareness programs. Because if people think it's impacting them on a personal level, not just a business level, I think that's where the engagement comes in. So if you've got a phishing test that you have to put out to your employees, maybe design it around Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and show your staff how this isn't just about protecting our business at the end of the day, but also about protecting you as an individual, helping people themselves know what to do or how to be a bit safer when they're using online companies or shops in their day-to-day -day life. So I think it kind of all interweaves in like the great circle of cybersecurity. It's not just about one thing and definitely interesting to highlight that shift, Kevin, from Anissa as well, because these are really global initiatives for sure. 
So drawing a line under that, but moving on to another area that is really important is the growth in regulations designed to improve online payment security. Um, so, James, I know you've been looking into this a little bit, and it's obviously one that consumers, again, are quite aware of that they're paying for stuff online. So they want that method of payment to be as secure as possible. And there's regulation growth around that. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. And and I suppose that regulation does give that opportunity to to online platforms to kind of say, look, we've implemented these measures and so we're as secure as, as we can be. So, yeah, there's there's been a couple of uh, kind of notable stories related to regulations uh, regarding pay- payment systems in this year. So in March uh, 2022, um, strong customer authentication, also also known as SCA, rules for e-commerce came into force in the UK. And that was after a few delays due to the COVID pandemic. I think it was meant to originally being um, perhaps uh, about a year early earlier, but retailers were given given extra time because of the pandemic crisis. Um, so basically, this this change meant that retailers in the UK have to ensure that their shoppers uh, provide a combination of two forms of identification at a checkout when making an online purchase. So these are two of the following forms of verification. Uh, so knowledge, which would be something they know, such as a password or a PIN number or possession, uh, which is something they have, such as a mobile phone, card reader, or other device evidenced by a one-time passcode, and inherence, which is something they are, such as a, such as a fingerprint and um, that area of biometrics. So this requirement applies to the millions of online and app-based transactions made every, every day in the UK. These rules were already in force in the EU from January the 1st, 2021, uh, and that was part of the the second payment services directive um, that that was that was passed there so yeah re- really important change and it is it's that aspect of moving away from from passwords i guess or, or relying just on passwords at least hopefully is going to have a really meaningful effect yeah and, and that wasn't the only thing that happened uh, in march with the the new version of the pci data security standard PCI DSS, published by the PCI Security Standards Council, the Global Payment Security Forum. These standards provide a baseline of technical and operational requirements designed to enhance payment security and apply all organizations involved in online payments from financial service providers to online retailers. There were a number of significant updates in this version, including the requirement to implement multi-factor authentication for all access into the cardholder data environment and updated firewall terminology to network security controls to support a broader range of technologies used to meet the security objectives traditionally met by firewalls. On this new version of the the PCI DSS, a big emphasis was on combating emerging threats and technologies. Yeah, so a lot going on in the world of online payments. And I know this is something you highlighted then in your second interview, James. That's right. Neera Jones, uh, she's got a lot of expertise in this this area of payment security and, and the types of technologies 
that, uh, used to protect this area, uh, which is also, uh, of course, increasingly crucial since the COVID pandemic. So Nira, yeah, she gave a great analysis of the impact that these kinds of standards and regulations of, are having, uh, but she also provided sort of good advice for retailers and financial services organisations on generally on how to improve the security of their online payment systems. But I'm sure you'd rather rather listen to Nira than me talk about it. So uh, let's take a listen now. Hi, Nira. Thank you very much for joining this this month's episode of the Into Security podcast. I hope you're well. I'd just like to start by asking you, how have you observed cyber criminals evolve how they target payment systems on e-commerce websites in recent years, uh, in particular since the start of the COVID pandemic? Hi, James. I'm delighted to be here. So uh, uh, first of all, what I have to say is uh, payment systems have always been a target. So here, it's nothing new. But what happened during the pandemic is that both consumers and businesses substantially increased their activities that are conducted online. Even organizations or people that weren't previously digital suddenly became digital. So that all um, became completely accelerated. So as a result, the number of payment card transactions also increased uh, and that was a completely natural phenomenon so when we look at the capabilities of threat actors anywhere they also continued to evolve and to escalate uh, and they have lots of skills and they can exploit both existing and emerging threats because we're using more and more technology and because businesses deploy technology which they were not necessarily very familiar with so there were a lot of uh, cut corners uh, and that applies to also payment systems and processes especially in the SME space and the, the second driver that we observed is uh, we've had digital transformation as I've just mentioned but we suddenly started to rely more and more heavily on cloud technologies and also the pandemic introduced a significant uh, change in the way we work because many people now work from home that phenomenon is here to stay and uh, securing home-based work equipment is a growing challenge so we have the complexity of having to deploy more and more cloud technology and everything is becoming as a service and now we have more and more people that are working from home so that makes the CISO's job a bit complicated uh, in fact the whole security industry so uh, so in terms of uh, e-commerce websites in recent years well they were targeted before uh, they're even more targeted now and we're using more and more cloud. So it's essentially accelerated more of the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just shows there's, there's just so many trends that are, are making this, this space more more dangerous for, for businesses. Um, so, yeah, thank you for that. What kind of patterns and trends do, do you tend to observe in regard to attacks on, on e-commerce payment? systems in, in the build-up to and during the Black Friday and Cyber Monday events? Again, there's nothing new there and there's something that I always say which is if it's too good to be true then it's probably too good to be true. But suffice to say if you look at any security analysts reports 
phishing is certainly a predominant way that cyber criminals use and they're becoming ever more sophisticated because now the pandemic accelerated digital communication. So we've got all those channels that perhaps not everyone used before, such as WhatsApp and various other social media, where uh, individuals are now even more exposed to the digital uh, world and are probably not as well equipped as those that used to conduct interactions on those channels. So you're seeing increasingly sophisticated phishing attacks on individuals that would make payments, but also because we're becoming better and better at securing our environments, but the technology evolves so much faster than whatever we're actually able to cope with. And still, no matter what security controls you put in place, if an individual is going to be vulnerable and you haven't deployed defense in in depth or the principles of, of zero trust, then once you compromise an individual, you have the keys to the kingdom if you haven't got a layered approach. So again, there, James, it's, it's really nothing new. E-commerce payments will continue to be attacked. It depends as to whether you have a sensible and risk-based security strategy. I guess a way of, of trying to improve those those kind of strategies for relevant organisation is, is the growth of industry regulations in, in regard to uh, payment systems that we're seeing, such as uh, PCI DSS and PSD2. From your perspective, how much of an impact have, have these kind of regulations had on payment security and what have been the biggest challenges for relevant organisation in, in implementing these measures? So in terms of impact, so, so we have good news there. And let's talk about the PCI DSS, first of all. As you know, we're now on version four. It's taken a few years to come up with this version, which is absolutely massive. And just to uh, uh, to give you an idea of scale, the last version, which was produced in 2018, was 139 pages long. Version four is 360 pages long. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the PCI Security Standards Council basically is looking at the industry, particularly the card payments industry, and sees the challenges and try to address those challenges in the new version of uh, PCI DSS version 4. So hopefully the new version, uh, by all accounts, when you look at it, is actually more flexible because there is never, ever... Uh, one size fits all. So more flexibility as to how you assess the kind of controls you put in place and so on and so forth. And based on very good and sound principle that have actually followed the way our world has been moving in terms of more cloud services, for example, working from home and the importance of authentication and authorization. So all of those things are uh, are in the new standard as well as new ways of uh, of assessing. But in terms of impact more specifically. If you look at the the latest uh, Verizon payment security report, I was really, really pleased to see, I don't know if you recall, James, but uh, in recent years, certainly prior to the pandemic, what what we could observe was a a decline in PCI DSS compliance across the board. And since 2020, we've started to see an uptick. 
So when you actually look at the figures, you can see that organizations are getting better and better at protecting their environments. I mean, uh, I remember many, many moons ago, you know, six or seven years ago, or even longer, when uh, having vendor defaults, you know, was a problem and was worth repeating and still people weren't doing it. Uh, but now when I looked at the stats, I mean, everybody's more or less actually doing that and plugging those holes. So basically, what the PCR has done over the years, and it's been around for a very long time, is trying to plug the holes continuously, because of course that's a continuous exercise. So, and I think the, the, the PCI DSS uh, in itself has uh, actually evolved with the times. And uh, going back to what I was saying earlier on, having an appropriate uh, security strategy and, uh, and, and think of it as a, a risk management endeavor certainly wouldn't go amiss. So yes, absolutely uh, impact. If we talk about the second payment services directive, again, I see the biggest impact in deploying strong customer authentication. So especially in payments, it's absolutely crucial. People are now getting used to it. The standards are evolving. Uh, the standards are evolving in card payments as well with newer versions of uh, 3D Secure, for example, uh, which now cater for the new ways in which um, consumers prefer to authenticate themselves. So we've seen a lot of biometrics for authentication and so on and so forth. So that also had uh, a, a massive impact. And if you look at the set of uh, standards on the, on the PCI, there are also linkages with industry standards such as 3D Secure on authentication. So I think it's all good news here. Now, the second part of, uh, of your question, James, was uh, the challenges uh, for the organizations that are in scope of this, in implementing this. Well, it's, again, nothing new here. You know, you, you, you probably uh, read about, you know, uh, lack of resources, but the challenges we have now, uh, certainly after, uh, after the pandemic is, well, we're still recovering, and now we have the added uh, economic burden of the cost of living crisis. So, uh, so everybody's watching the the pennies, you know, consumers and uh, and businesses alike. So, challenge is uh, where where best to spend uh, my money when it comes to securing my environment. And I think that probably is the biggest challenge. And then it goes back, of course, uh, as I mentioned many times before, uh, you have to manage risk. Yeah, brilliant. Re re really fascinating analysis there. So, yeah, a real real sort of mixed bag, I guess. But it's it's really good to to hear that these these kinds of regulations are, are having a positive impact. And uh, yeah, let's, let's hope that continues over, over the coming years. So as a, as a final question, I also wanted to ask you what, what kind of new or kind of emerging technologies and solutions do you think payment providers and, and e-commerce websites should be looking to implement uh, to enhance the security of online payments over the coming years? Again, James, uh, I won't recommend any particular technology because, as I said earlier on, it is not one size fits all. It depends on your business. And what is relevant for one organization is not relevant for, not necessarily relevant for, for an, uh, another organization. So it's nothing new. And it boils down to this you have to strengthen 
the weakest link. Uh, again, it's all about risk management and you, hit, you need to have a, a sensible strategy and apply logical thinking because you only have that finite amount of money to spend on these things because you have to run a business. And at the end of the day, the goal is to continue doing business. So the trick here is to be able to differentiate between the many components. What I mean by that is the various systems, the various processes that you have, the various documents that you have, the capacity that you have, the capabilities that you have. So differentiate between the many components of your environment that can be improved compared to those few that must be improved must be improved in order to achieve the security and compliance objectives and uh, and goals so again james going back to what i was saying earlier on strengthening the weakest link it's about knowing where your crown jewels are so yes of course you can improve many things and make them more secure but is that actually relevant do you need to actually do all of that and going back to the dss version 4 certainly is very much attuned to this so if i were to recommend any kind of uh, technology or approach to organization then that would be governance risk and compliance because at the end of the day it's about applying best endeavors to the most relevant elements of your environment. And when I say best endeavors, it's not just technology, it's that good old organization, uh, organizational principle of uh, people, process and technology. Yeah, again, absolutely. And I just wanted to say a massive thank you, Nira, for, for your time in speaking to us today and uh, fascinating insights and advice you've given. You're most welcome. It was a pleasure to be here. Excellent. That was great to hear from Nira there and some great advice that she kind of highlighted during that session. So just as we get on to the last few minutes of our podcast, Kevin, I know there was something um, you wanted to highlight about um, what Nira said during during the interview there. Yeah, I wanted to maybe take a moment to enjoy and repeat something Nira said that we don't hear often in, in cybersecurity is that we have good news. And that is uh, that is something that is rarely said by, by cybersecurity professionals. We tend to hear that regulations is always lagging behind technology and lagging behind the use of technology. As she said, it's taken a few years to come up with this fourth version of PCI DSS. So I guess it was lagging behind. But it also probably comes at the right time after over two years of pandemic meant that more parts of our lives are happening online and payment is a, is a great example of that. For example, in the UK, uh, when you live in the UK, you, you realize that cash, it's not that it's no longer a thing, but uh, most payments now are made uh, online or using a credit card, which is also using online services. It's great that organizations now have this uh, false version of the PCI DSS. And uh, and also she, she said that organizations are also getting better and better at protecting their environment. And that it's it's not wishful thinking. It's it's confirmed by recent data, as she said, for PCI DSS compliance. So I think that's good to to end up, end with a with a, with a good on a good note. Yeah, I think you're right. We often 
pretend, well, we tend not to highlight the good news, I think, sometimes. We just talk about the challenges and the issues in the cybersecurity world. So always good to have something that we can kind of shout about and say, this is pretty good how it is now. And a lot has obviously been achieved. As you said, it's been across the two years of the pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. So um, definitely a good note to end on. Uh, and that is actually all we've got time for today. Um, hopefully some great insights for our listeners and advice that both organisations and consumers can take away to improve their online shopping security and really your online shopping experience because that feeling of being scammed or even potentially being scammed, it's not a nice one. So stay cyber safe during Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Thank you very much to James and Kevin for chatting to me about this issue and all the research you did into those news stories we highlighted at the beginning. And a huge thank you to Gillian and Nira for taking the time to give us your insights. Until next time, that's goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. A final word from our sponsor, CoFence. CoFence provides the technology and insight to help you improve security, remediate threats and reduce the risk of compromise. CoFence, stop BISH. Thanks for listening to Into Security. For in-depth interviews with the industry's finest minds, check out our sister podcast, Into Security Chats, and join us again next month. Until then, stay safe and keep up to date with everything you need to know about information security via infosecurity-magazine.com.